Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi there. And welcome to Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast with my special guest, Ben Kay. All right, Lowell, how are we? Just pouring you a pint of London Pride. An outstanding pint, if I might say so, and the official beer of the British and Irish Lions, which is what this podcast is all about. Yeah, and it takes skill. Right, that probably rules me out then. Dedication. Indeed, indeed. And time. Yes, it takes all of those things to get into the Lions squad. Oh, actually, I was talking about the skill, dedication and time that goes into brewing an ale like London Pride. Oh, absolutely. But it's the same if you want to be a Lion and to play with Pride. There you go, mate. Thank you very much. We've got our pints, lol. We're all set for the match. And this podcast in partnership with London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Cheers. Cheers. And remember, please drink responsibly. Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast brought to you in partnership with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Hello and welcome to Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast. Joining me once again are my special guest Ben Kay and the Evening Standard sports correspondent Will McPherson. And of course, you can find my weekly column in the Evening Standard. Also with us today, I'm delighted to welcome a player who has 54 England caps to his name and toured, of course, with the British and Irish Lions in 2017. It's Jonathan Joseph. JJ, good morning to you. Good morning, sir. How are we? Yeah, very, very well. A bit croaky, as you might tell. I wonder why. Um, JJ, what are you up to at the moment? Obviously, off-season. Um, I mean, you know, do you turn the telly off and, and not watch any rugby or are you uh, trying to plan a holiday somewhere? Um, it would be lovely to get away, um, but obviously with what's going on at the minute, um, we haven't managed to, um, but I get another week off in August, so I think I'll, I'll try and get overseas then. But apart from that, I think this is my first off season for a like, proper off season for about eight years, eight, nine years. So just enjoying some downtime and get the body right for next season, hopefully. Yeah. And JJ, you've got um, obviously one, one of your great mates, Anthony Watson's out there with the with the Lions. Um, I mean, are you in touch with any of the guys? I mean, you want to leave him alone, obviously, to a degree, but you must speak to Anthony a little bit, do you? Yeah, I speak to him a little bit. I look after his dog sometimes, so um, <laughs> he, has to, he has to message me from, from time to time. Um, he says it's going well. He says it's very different to, to the previous tour that obviously we both went on, uh, obviously with, with COVID, which is you know a massive shame, but still enjoying it nonetheless. Just touching on that, that previous tour that you went on to New Zealand, um, I didn't make it out there, but 2017, you know, it was an amazing test series. Just what, what were your own experiences of that tour? Because it's obviously, as you say, this one's very different, but I mean, they're so into it over in New Zealand that it was, it must've just been awesome. The whole, the whole eight or nine weeks. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. I think, you know, as soon as we landed, just 
experiencing um, like the difference in culture, I think was a huge one. Um, we, we did a lot of stuff, um, like we visited a lot of schools. We went to many places that were special for, for people from New Zealand and um, just experiencing all of that and, you know, the, the welcoming ceremonies, all of that was just amazing and unbelievable. And then some of the, the stuff that we did sort of in between games and, you know, we visited Queenstown for two, three days and just, you know, bonded unbelievably well. You know, since my professional career, never really been on a sort of, imagine an old school sort of tour like that. That was probably the, the only one I'll, I'll ever go on. Benny, um, obviously in South Africa, uh, very, very different. And as Jonathan says, no, no opportunity to get out and, and experience the, you know, the, uh, the people, the culture, the, you know, the landscape or anything. It's, it's really tough for these guys. It, it's such a shame for them. Uh, but having said that, they're still there representing the Lions and it's still the pinnacle uh, of, of everyone's career, really. And, 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 you know, out of adversity, JJ talked about bonding the team together. I think that's one of the strengths of Warren is he'll find that sort of siege mentality probably this time. You know, everything's stacked against this tour. Uh, but you've just got to find a way of getting it done. And if it doesn't complete because of uh, reasons out of your hands, then it doesn't. But you've just got to make sure that... And I almost think that they'll thrive on it, the boys that are out there. They'll, they'll be... You know, they'll know that games will get cancelled. They'll know that players might have to pull out of squads. But every time they survive and move on to the next week or the next game, they'll get stronger for it. And, and you know, they'll, they'll almost say, look, I just think that they'll bind together a little bit over this, and and uh, you know, let's not forget, you know, often when you go on a Lions tour, you're a bit a bit of a disadvantage because you're trying to pull this group of scratch players together. South Africa are in the same boat; they're they're having all the same problems that the Lions are doing, and actually, you know, it could play into the Lions' favour, particularly if they have to have to end up moving the the Test series in full down to Cape Town. Yeah, agreed. I mean, we we spoke. Uh... JJ uh, last week about the challenge that uh, Jamie George has got. I think he's been designated as head of social, <laughs> not sure, or head of uh, hotel social. Um, he's got a really tough job on his hands, uh, just trying to organise things, trying to get get guys together. Can you remember from from uh, four years ago who 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 was kind of given that opportunity or who who had that role? I think the management sorted it then because it was it was so easy and accessible. They sort of just let the players crack on with the rugby side, and they they planned like so much stuff for us to do. Um, but I'm sure I'm sure Jamie is very much thinking outside the box. He's very I mean he does it at England. To be fair to him, he does he organises the socials there. So I'd imagine he's got a few things you know in his notebook that he can call upon. But yeah, very much having to entertain themselves. Let's say head of Netflix, isn't it? <laughs> Netflix <laughs> That's all account, you can offer. Yeah. I think you know a lot. I think the other thing is that it's key to get that side of it right, and where where they won't have experienced yet, and we don't know the fallout is everyone's playing really well. So there's going to be a lot of disappointment when that test team's announced, or or when it when the pecking order sort of becomes uh, obvious to the players in the week before the test. That that's often when that sort of social group, the the dirt trackers group, and and the heads of that really come into their own, keeping everyone on tour and keeping everyone together. Because, you know, usually on a Lions tour, like like JJ said in New Zealand, there's plenty to do for that dirt trackers team if they're not involved in the test series, so that they turn up, do their job at trading. But these guys aren't going to necessarily have that. So 
how do you keep them all happy when they've just faced a load of disappointment that that perhaps they're not going to be involved? Just want to talk to uh, all of you about uh, about the rooms, the rooming lists on tour. Obviously, it's one of the great Lions traditions to uh, to share rooms with possibly players that you've never met before from players from different nations. Um, unfortunately for this group of Lions, they because of COVID and the protocols and the restrictions, they will be in single rooms. But Benny, if I come to you first, just reflecting on, on your own Lions experiences, um, were, you, were you thrown in with someone you'd never met before? Were, you know, someone that uh, everyone has these preconceived ideas about the English, that they hate them and, and, then, and, then, and, uh, and vice versa. And then you, you get in a room together and you realise that you're just rugby players getting on with your job, really. Yeah, I think that was one of the problems with 2005. We didn't do it enough. Um, so we, we all met uh, in... Uh, in Wales to for the for the get together and and we did a bit of rooming there and and uh, I remember rooming with John Hayes the uh, Munster prop who was an absolute diamond of a bloke bit of a language barrier we I couldn't understand a word he was saying with his strong uh, he must have lilt, been a snorer but, though he, but, might, he, might, he must have I mean he snored like a bull didn't he must have done uh, Look, yes, uh, but um, I think we were that tired in that first week. It, it wasn't a, a big problem. But I think when we got to New Zealand, yeah, that's, that's somewhere we went wrong. We we weren't in each other's pockets and, and you know, breaking down, by, by rooming with people from different nations, that's where you, you break down some of the cliques. And, and um, that, that was a big takeaway. And I think a lot was learned from 2005 uh, in terms of where we didn't get it right in trying to be overly professional and... and you know, leave no stone unturned in, in terms of the money that was being spent on the tour of the preparation, but it's not that sort of tour. It's not a World Cup. It's it's about uh, going back to some of the amateur ethoses and, and uh, we didn't do enough of it. But yeah, it, it was a brilliant trip to meet some of those guys. And what's lovely after a Lions trip is how your relationship changes when you play against each other in Six Nations is and you know, you get trapped at the bottom of a ruck and, and there's a, a bit of a smile and a nod of the wink on some of the things you got up to on tour. So uh, it, it's such an important part of the rugby calendar for players still. And uh, that's why it's so important that we do everything we can to make sure these guys have the opportunity to, to experience the same things. Yeah, and I think for me personally in South Africa, they you, immediately you're out of your comfort zone. You know, the first person I run with was was the guy that I was going head to head. You know, in, in Rob Wainwright from Scotland. You know, we're both vying for the same jersey, um, and it's that sort of quite awkward, <laughs> awkward few evenings. Where <laughs> one of you wants to go to bed and the other one doesn't. So uh, oh, I wonder which sure way around that was. <laughs> not quite sure. Not quite sure who wins that one, but. Uh, and then I'm room with Keith Wood, and honestly, I mean, he's such a fantastic guy. He ended up being, you know, one of the real kind of stars of the tour. But my God, he snored so badly. I literally lifted his bed up. I took it outside into the corridor, and I put it outside Jeremy Guskett's room because I thought there's no way. <laughs> I, I'm, I need some sleep before I go training. Um, JJ, any 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 standouts for you uh, over in New Zealand? I mean, it, it, as I said, it takes you out your comfort zone because normally when you're with England, you get to choose the guy that you room with or. You, you know, you you probably run with you know Anthony or something. You, you know, one of your mates, but immediately you're thrown into you know out of your comfort zone with someone you've never met before. Bit bit like an old school tour, really. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think pretty much every week I had a different a different roommate. So to list them all, I'd probably forgotten half of them. But uh, Robbie Henshaw was definitely one who was a, a top bloke, real nice guy. Got on with him really well, but again, probably a bit of a competitive edge there but I didn't really feel that with him but uh, Jonathan Davis I ruined with again as well um, 
So yeah, a lot of competition. Um, again, like you said, that it's like uh, your friends, you're getting on with each other, but there is a bit of that awkward silence and things like that because you're not completely familiar with each other. Um, ben Tio as well, Carl Sinclair towards the end of the tour, which was a bit of a pain. <laughs> but yeah, I think it is important. It, it does feel uncomfortable at times, but yeah. um, what you actually get out of it and what you end up seeing on the pitch and um, away from the room is is huge. And you, you sort of, you, you make friends for life. And like you said, you, you, you meet them on the pitch again and you've sort of got that untold connection, haven't you? You've got that, you just sort of look at each other and know, you know, we've, we've shared that experience together and um, what, what a time we had. Yeah, there's always, there's always as Ben as I think as Ben said, there's that little smile, isn't there? <laughs> that cheeky little smile because you, you you know you know you know each other's you know you know each other both personally and and obviously uh, you know as rugby players as well. And I think that's that's the thing that struck me is you you get to take you get so much to take away from from those trips in terms of the learning and the experience. Will I'm assuming with the with the enormous budgets of the of the media that uh, the media don't get to share rooms or, or or do you have to you know draw straws and you pick Stephen Jones or someone like that, do you? Yeah, fortunately, it's all separate. The last World Cup, we were all tra- kind of travelling around the same travel agent, so on, on the bullet train and stuff in Japan. But luckily, we were. I didn't have to share with Stephen Jones at any point on that tour, which is a, a relief. And Will, just give me, just, just very quickly, our listeners, an insight. Because normally, when you're a journalist on the ground in South Africa, you get to go to watch training. You know, you get to speak to people, you know, guys like JJ and pick up little, you know, snippets of information that... You know, now everything that you guys are doing on this tour, uh, I'm sure from Warren Gatland through to the coaches, the players, all over Zoom, um, you know, this you lose that kind of personal interaction. And it's very hard to sort of find a story or an angle or a bit of information that's any different to, to any other journalist, really. Yeah, so norm- normally on a tour at a World Cup or even during Six Nations, the, the team would have access every day where... Um, a group of journalists would go not into camp necessarily but maybe to the hotel like Penny Hill Park where England are based and uh, one or two players would talk to us each day and we'd kind of have a uh, a bit of a sort of on the record briefing where the quotes would then be used in the newspapers the following day um, but on this one as you say it's it's all via Zoom um, so you don't just get that kind of the, the sights and sounds I suppose uh, that come with it we're not generally allowed to see much of training anymore in these kind of environments it's sort of 15 minutes maybe come in and have a look get a sense of what's going on and who's who's running what lines and all that kind of stuff but no it's not too much about anymore it's more about talking to people and, and getting that impression of what's going on that's more difficult this time but the advantage of being on, on the ground on this tour is is diminished um because of that but the guys do who are out there do get to see the game live and obviously there are elements of the game which you, you can only sort of fully appreciate from being in the stadium i suppose uh, particularly the atmosphere which at the moment is pretty much non-existent i guess um but yeah so it, it's very different right now and Ben, I guess one of the things that I remember certainly from '97 was being in a training session, and then suddenly you turn around and there's one of the, you know, a Gareth Edwards on the sideline watching you training, or some of the, you know, previous lines that have played. Again, none of that. You know, this will be, you know, will be happening to any of these guys out there, because clearly the the, the travelling army of fans and the and the, and the travelling army of ex players, ex Lions players aren't aren't there really. I think that's that's hugely important, but not just. Those ex-players, I, I, I think the fans, you know, that is what makes Alliance Tour so special. And I'm sure JJ will agree. Just, you know, I was, I was in uh, New Zealand covering uh, the last Lions Tour and 
the volume of people that come in and follow, and it's not just at the stadium. It's just seeing those people as you're driving to training and, and, and how many people have given up their life savings to come and, and follow you to the other side of the world. You know, it's, it's, it's immense. And yeah, the other joy of going on a Lions tour as an Englishman is, uh, you know, walking out of your hotel and, and on a test week and, and hearing a Welsh or a Scottish accent and they're saying nice things to you and you're not used to it. <laughs> Suddenly you're not this, this terrible Englishman that, that sometimes you are when you, when you're away in Edinburgh or away in Cardiff, you, yeah, the, you just, I loved it. One of my favourite memories of Lions trip was after a huge disappointment of being ruled out through injury in the in the last week. Got punched in the Auckland game and and my eyeball blew up. And uh, so they basically said, "Look, it's too late to send you home. Uh, so just basically enjoy the last week." So I, I I basically became a fan and lived in the team hotel, but went out every night with all the fans. And it was one of my favourite experiences as a rugby player. Well, I can imagine you're quite well qualified to do that, Ben, to be fair. <laughs> Overqualified. <laughs> I mean, it, it, JJ, just just quickly, uh, your recollections of those fans, because as Ben's right, the, the passion that the Welsh and the Scots and, and well, all the fans have, but particularly, I think, the Welsh, um, you know, when they're suddenly cheering for you, it's, it's just a completely different experience to anything that, that we as club or international players are used to, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's by far the the greatest crowd I've ever experienced. Um, to start with, when we went to New Zealand, like there was a few sort of red shirts dotted around wherever we were. But as the test started to roll in, unbelievable, like wherever we were, it was just, it was red everywhere. Like there was so many fans and my dad went out there, had some friends and family out there and, and they just say like, what a one unbelievable time they had. Like my dad would be off with like the randomest of random people, fans and he didn't even know them, but my dad's quite a sociable guy and he just went off with whoever, had a great time, a great night. Um, and yeah, it's just that, it's like that family feel of like, of just getting comfortable with, you know, if you're Scottish, Welsh, English, um, everyone just got on so well. And it, it was just so nice to actually see like that amount, the amount of people that were there supporting, cheering in the crowds. It was just, it was something special. And I don't think you'll ever get that expectation uh, you won't reach that expectation ever again i don't think unless you're wearing a line shirt i think you're right a question for jj you mentioned about this being your first uh, off season for ages and, and actually enjoying it a lot of talk about you know whether this tour should have gone ahead or whether they could have postponed it to next year they couldn't really have postponed it to next year could they with with you you're a guy that's experienced a world cup more recently than, than, than me and lol but that World Cup training camp is pretty horrific, isn't it? To go into that off the back of a season that started with an eight-week Lions tour, would that have been realistic? Personally, I don't think so. Um, you know, even just having what we've had the last two years, I mean, uh, with COVID coming in, we only sort of had a, a couple of weeks off at the end of last season. So, you know, backing up big season on big season, I just, I think the demands of the game are just far too high now. And, um people would just be breaking down. You know, I know, I know after the uh, last line series and I went into a, you know, a full block of games the next year and I ended up, I ended up getting quite a bit like my worst injury I've ever had. And I know a few other boys that got that as well. It just, it's just far too much. And there needs to be that balance. There needs to be that, that ability to have some downtime and then build back up again to, to a good performance. And you've got to remember the amount of planning that goes into yeah. 
you know, a Lions series or World Cup and things like that, it's it's hard to just postpone and, and do the a year later or things like that. And I, and I guess, they, you know, your club, your country, the Lions, everyone talks about player welfare, but they kind of conveniently forget the, when you ride back home that you've just been on a nine-week tour because it's not their team, you know. It's, yeah. uh, it's a real challenge. JJ, on, on the rugby front, I mean, I know it's early days and I know it's, you know, we've only seen glimpses of, of certain players, but is there anyone in particular that's that, that's caught your eye? I mean... I guess Josh Adams sort of stands out, doesn't he, really, in terms of what he's done. Maybe Lewis Rees-Amit, a player that you play against quite a bit. Um, I mean, the opposition's been limited as well. That's what my South African friends keep telling me. I'll wait till they play so-and-so, wait till they play the Sharks, wait till they play the Bulls. But uh, you can only play what's in front of you, right? Yeah, you're right. You can only play what's in front of you. Um, yeah, the, obviously the boys that you mentioned have played very well. I'll, I'll obviously stick with, with the centres and... Again, um, pleasantly surprised with how well everyone's gone. Um, you, yeah. you couldn't say um, any one of those players have had a bad game there. You know, Robbie Henshaw and, and Bundiaki played unbelievably well in the first game. Uh, and then Chris Harris played well when he came in. Faz played well. And then um, and then Elliot Daly, obviously, he's not played 13. Well, he's played 13 at Saracens, but at international level, I don't think he's got many caps there. And he's... He's been a standout as well. So for me to single out any one of them, I think I think my biggest surprise was actually probably Bundiaki. I think he really put his hand up. I think a lot of people maybe had question marks around him, but you know his physicality, his ability to get over the ball and, and win you turnover and and that gain line option, and he can distribute. So he, he's got the full package, and um, that's definitely something I'm, I'm sure Warren will, will look to use uh, in the test. Yeah, and and speaking of those, I mean, obviously, it's again, it's early days. We don't even know whether the Test series will go ahead. Everyone's very optimistic over there, Warren Gatland and and Ben Calverley. But uh, you're obviously a believer. You you think the, the the boys can go and do that? I mean, it's a, it's more of a level series this year, isn't it? With with no fans and uh, and obviously with all the disruption for both sides. But I mean, I think last week we spoke about the fact that if they if they can win that first test, then then obviously it gives them a great chance. Um, you know, you you've been on the other side of it where you've been playing a decider to, uh, at the end. What's your predictions for this test series? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm going to support the boys and and say we're going to win two one. Let's go with a safe two one. Um, but yeah, like we've said, I think the thing with Warren is he's very good at getting the squad. Um, the squad together, getting them cohesive, making sure they they know how to play with each other. And, you know, these first few games, you are going to see some mistakes. The attack is going to be a bit scrappy. Defence is going to get a bit tight or a few mistakes going to be made. But as long as they keep building week on week and if we can get those games in, like we said, we're trying to get another game for this weekend, then I'm sure as soon as the tests come in, if they do, um, we'll be ready. And yeah, like you said, we want to get off to a great start. So that, that first result is... Is one we're going to be keeping our fingers crossed for. Brilliant. Well, listen, JJ, we'll let you go. Thanks very much for uh, for joining us. Really, really appreciate that, my friend. And and I hope you uh, have a fantastic uh, summer and a good pre-season. And uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you uh, in a few weeks' time, I'm sure. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Cheers, JJ. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. So the Lions have now got two games under their belts. The latest was an emphatic 54 points to seven victory over the Sharks. Will, we can't read too much into this performance, but I guess what we can say is that Warren Gatlin was forced into making eight late changes uh, to the the squad, to the team because of... um, you know, the, the last minute issues around COVID testing. Um, I think they went into the game with, with literally one back on the bench, didn't they? Um, so if nothing else, they're a resilient bunch, this lot. I mean, they're, they're, they're showing that they're able to be flexible, that they're able to adapt. They're able to cope so far with anything that this tour throws at them. And let's be honest, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be like this pretty much throughout the, the entire trip, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I agree, actually, that they're resilient. They're having to be pretty... Uh flexible aren't they it shows to it says to me how important they they see these warm-up games as and they are they are on this tour I think they are warm-up games if if that makes sense they're they're kind of they're hit outs against weak opposition because the Springboks have got so many players in camp I think it's something like 46 or 47 um, all of these uh, franchises around the country don't have their best players so they've they've got pretty the opposition's pretty limited put it that way and um that the Sharks game was much like the game against the Sigma Lions on, on Saturday where, where the Lions just went through the motions, uh, scored plenty of tries. Josh Adams has got eight, eight in three games, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, but they're, they're, being, they're being pretty agile and flexible and, and they're just getting the job done at the moment, uh, which is good. And Benny, um, I mean, the Springboks themselves have, have got their own preparation issues. They've played one game against Georgia. Um, they were due to play another one, which has been cancelled. That's their only game of rugby that they've played since that final that we saw in Yokohama in uh, 2019. I mean, it, it, there's a balance, isn't it? The Lions are playing weaker opposition. The Springboks have chosen um, to, to stay in camp, double the size of the camp and probably just knock lumps out of each other. Um, I mean, is what would you favour one over the other? I mean, as a Lion, you've always got to get out there and play games because you've got to have that opportunity to to test yourself in front of a, a sort of slightly pressurised, um, you know, match situation? There's benefits both ways. And, um, you know, actually, it depends a little bit on what Warren Gatlin wants to do with his game plan. Um, there's certain aspects that um, benefit to playing against teams that don't know what you're doing. So you can actually test them out in anger. Uh, you know, it's all very well running through different moves and things and, saying, well, their opposition will stand here, but, but until teams actually see them and, and, and you can adapt them for how they're defended by a team that's seeing it for the first time, that's important. What really struck me last week was how they were doing different moves um, or, or, or overplaying certain areas of the game, so attacking around the back of the line out with various different moves very early in a tour to be doing that. So why are they doing that? Are they trying to set something up for later on? The driving play was good. Uh, I think the big concern where the Springboks get an even bigger advantage by not playing as much 
is the scrum because that didn't function well at all against the Sharks early on particularly. Uh, they had a few issues there. That's obviously a big uh, hangover from South Africa's last real game in anger, which was the World Cup final where England were destroyed at the scrum. And I think that's an area that the Springboks think they can take the British and Irish Lions on and have a huge impact on the game. And they can do that more if they're not having to prepare for test matches at the end of the week. They can get more scrummage sessions in. Um, so I think that will become a really big part of the game. The good thing for the Lions was it wasn't perfect. They still got the big result, but there are a lot of things to work on. The scrum's a big thing. And also they missed quite a few tackles, particularly in that first half. I think percentage-wise they were right down in that first half. So that's totally understandable with throwing together a scratch side in effect, that haven't even trained properly together during the week. But they can now go and say, look, these are the areas we just need to tighten up and it gives them something to work on. And and that, that would be the worry, playing all these sides, winning easily, a bit like New Zealand at some of the World Cups where they haven't been able to progress once they get to the knockout stages. You don't want everything to be working swimmingly and you know scoring lots of points and then you get into a proper test match with a lot riding on it, a lot of pressure, and you don't know how to find a solution. And there's, I mean, Will, there's going to be a lot of anticipation from in both camps, really, because I remember in, in 1997, myself, that every game we played, the Springboks chose not to put their Springbok players in front of the Lions. So, you know, we didn't really have a chance to have a crack at them in the build-up to the Test matches, but equally, you know, they that none of them had played against us. Now, maybe the familiarity between the players is very different now because obviously half of the Springboks team play up at Sale Sharks. So, <laughs> so, they, do, so they do know each other quite well, in, 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 you know, a lot, a lot better than we certainly did in 97. But I think by not playing each other in the build-up to the Test Series, it does give us as fans and, and hopefully even, even themselves that little bit of a uh, going into the unknown when the Test Series actually starts in, in earnest. You're definitely right. I mean, there's the, the, the Springboks generally. There's that element of um, extra mystery and mystique at the moment about them. They've been they've been world champions for well since November 2019, which is quite a long time ago. They play that one game against Georgia. They've been denied their second game against Georgia, and they're, they're we just don't you know we don't really know who of the the players who were just epic in that tournament. Who who's going to be again and. Um, and you're right, I suspect that what Gatlin would most like, and, and probably Rob McBride as well, is for his front first choice front row to happen to come up against an absolute, you know, beastly scrummaging side at some stage in the warm up to this. It's, I don't think that they're going to get exposed to the Springboks themselves, but there's that game against the Springbok A or uh, emerging Springbok team, where which some of the players will be from the, the Springbok camp. Um, I suspect they won't. Gatland and McBride won't get their wish, um, and the scrum won't be tested that much in these games. But there's definitely that sense of, of kind of who knows about about what's what's coming up here, which is quite exciting. This is the Dropkick Challenge with Fuller's London Pride, outstanding amber ale, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Guys, it's time for this week's Dropkick Challenge. Uh, I'm going to put your knowledge of Lions trivia to the test. Uh, Lawrence, the, the current scoreboard is 9-6 to you. It was sort of, I think the TMO was probably required last week, but you just about got there. Um, let's see if you can add to that by answering this week's question correctly. And don't forget that at the end of the series, one of you will be crowned our Dropkick Challenge champion. Let it be me, let it be me. <laughs> <laughs> you were both You were both on the, on the tour of 2005 um, when... The Lions Tour had a little twist. 
because a lion's anthem, the power of four, was introduced. And my question for you is, can you name the opening two lines of that lion's anthem, the power of four? <laughs> I only lasted 20 minutes <laughs> on the trip. I broke my leg after 20 minutes of, uh, of being in the uh, Bay of Plenty. So, Ben, are you writing them down? Uh, I'm writing down, why are we singing this? It's all a bit embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> what was, I, I mean, before, before you answer it, what was your memory of that, of the, this situation of being told there's this anthem that's being introduced? Awkward. I sort of could understand the sentiment behind it, but singing in particular, I think it's got to be, um, you know, if you think of all those sort of great sporting anthems and things, they tend to just happen naturally and aren't written for uh, for the occasion. I guess the only one that maybe has, has some precedent was uh, Alan's Call. And, and and writing that 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 was uh, that's a pretty good uh, pretty good attempt at it, but it was just a little bit yeah awkward. And uh, there you go, lads. We've written this song for you. Go out and sing it in front of loads of people. So I mean, do you, do you remember the words to it? Is the big question. No, give us the give. It, have you got the first two words? I couldn't even tell you. I think it had something to, do, and, and this is like super embarrassing. I think I, I mean, Clive, if Clive Woodward's got a lot to answer for with this particular <laughs> song. I think something like corners of the land and then something about holding hands. I'm pretty sure. Was it? Is that right? From the four corners of our land, we're united hand in hand. So there we are. Just about, Lawrence. It's a sort of Irish. It's got an Irish jig to it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, all, it's all coming flooding back now. Uh, together we're stronger. We join and proud we stand. Something like that. Correct. That's it. That's the rest of the first verse. I've just Googled it. Now the day has come. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> I was going to say that came out That came out a bit too good. Then. That's the way you knew that. Well, Lawrence, I think you take the point. Oh, yeah. oh well, listen, I'll, I'll take that. I mean, it's, this is a belter. This 9-6 is turning into a real cracker. I mean, don't, wow. don't adjust your TV set. Your drop kicking is, is excellent, Lawrence. Congratulations. Well done. 12-6 then, is it? Yeah, it's 12-6 this week. Right. <laughs> Okay, well, let's take a look at the latest news coming out of the camp in South Africa. Will, I mean, you're talking directly with the uh, the coach and, the, and Ben Calverley. Ben Calverley, who is the, I think he's the, is he the CEO of the British and Irish Line? Managing director, I think, yeah. Managing director. He was saying that there is no intention of them deviating from their tour schedule. I think I saw a couple of quotes from Warren Gatland saying, look, I'm very optimistic that regardless of what's happening here, that the, the test will go ahead. I mean, do you, do you think it's, it's almost now that the decision has been made to play in South Africa and um, when there was a lot of other options of, of maybe bringing the tour back to the UK, we just saw the football, you know, and, and just seen the England football team playing in front of packed houses that, that they've almost got to ca carry on going come what may now and try and get this this tour done and dusted. Yeah, it's very difficult, isn't it? If Calverley and, and Gatland are, 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 as you say, sort of full steam ahead, we've got to get this done, particularly the tests. So I think, you know, we, we still, the first test, 24th of July, so that's two weeks on Saturday. Uh, there is a little bit of time, not masses of time, uh, to get it sorted out. Somebody described it to me as a, a bit of a slow motion car crash. Uh, and 
I can sort of see that where just more and more positive tests are coming. Things that the coronavirus we see it across sport at the moment is bloody difficult to contain. England cricket have had a, have had to replace a full squad this week after they had seven positive tests out of about thirty people in their camp. Um, and it's just it's just very hard at the moment. I don't see them bringing it back to the UK, which has been floated. I do see all three game tests happening in Cape Town or being scheduled for Cape Town and doing their absolute best to get them played there. And I, I think that's the likeliest outcome here. I agree with that, Lol. Um, that what people don't understand it is all the little minor details that it takes to put on uh, a full house at Twickenham. You know, it's not just the case of the RFU saying, yeah, we'll give you the stadium. Uh, obviously, the government are worrying about quite a, quite a lot of other stuff at the moment, but it would have to be ratified by the government. They'd have to apply to somehow give the players an opportunity to to not abide by the same laws that the rest of the land does in terms of coming back to the, to the UK and, and not having to quarantine in their hotel. But equally, you know, all the, the local councils around Twickenham need to make sure that they can get the traffic management systems in place and everything. So it's not just a simple case of overnight saying, oh yeah, let's move it back here. It, you, know, you have to have some time to put these events on. But my my take on it, I, I take I get the whole you know, love the analogy of a, a, a slow motion car crash waiting to happen, but loads of people are, are absolutely slagging off why we even tried to bother. Why didn't we just cancel it? Well, it's a Lions tour. It, we know it would have been very difficult to play it next year with the rugby calendar as it is. So why not give it a go? You know, the other option is we don't have a Lions tour for what another twelve years in in South Africa. Yeah, we know it's not going to be the same as your usual Lions tour, but surely giving it a go is better than just cancelling it outright. We're no worse off by attempting to play it than and it not working than we were to say, no, we're not going to bother this year. Listen, I'm, I'm with you, Ben. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, when you speak to every player, we've just we've had JJ on this podcast. Um, when you speak to every Lions player who's played for the Lions, the one thing that they tell you is that it's special and that it's something very different and it's probably one of the best experiences of their lives. So, therefore, I'm sure that the players themselves were, were consulted before this trip went ahead, and they said, you know, what's your view? And I'm pretty sure to a man, the players would have said, look, we just want to be Lions, particularly those who, who, had, who had been picked but hadn't actually experienced that feeling. I don't care where we play, we just want to play. We just want to be British and Irish Lions by, you know, by the end of the, you know, the summer. And, uh, and I think that, you know, we have to remember that. You know, it's it, it is something very very special. And if this tour had been cancelled, then the opportunity you would have robbed certain players of the opportunity, um, maybe their last opportunity, uh, of of ever representing that. So I think it, you're you're absolutely right. It it is special, and and let's uh, let's hope that we can get this uh, this test series concluded. Outstanding, the one to watch with Fuller's London Pride, the outstanding Amber Eel. Well, we'd usually be looking ahead at who would be the one to watch for the next game, but obviously circumstances have scuppered that somewhat with the game against the Vodacom Bulls being cancelled. But reflecting back once again on Wednesday's match against the Sharks, um, who was your outstanding player, Will, uh, against those Sharks? I thought Josh Navidi was absolutely outstanding. Uh, I thought he was supremely unlucky not to be called up to the uh, original squad. Um, and he's come in for Justin Tipperick, who uh, obviously got injured against Japan. And he, uh, 
I just think Navid is such a good all-round back row. And he was in that really dynamic kind of three blokes, all about six foot, Curry, Navidi, Simmons yesterday. I think that's such a cool back row. The Lions aren't going to go in with a, a back row like that. They're going to have a bigger guy at six, I suspect, in the test side. But uh, I just think Navidi punches above his weight massively. And um, I loved watching him get his opportunity in a Lions jersey. Benny, for you, um, I mean, obviously, you know, the headlines tend to go to, to Josh Adams and and, uh, and Van der Merwe, who scored three tries apiece. Um, Reese Zammett again on the score sheet. So uh, the wide players are certainly getting plenty of action. Yeah, they are. And I think, yeah, Adams has gone from, uh, you know, someone that we all loved to watch. You know, we, we remember seeing what he was doing for, for Worcester a couple of years ago and, yeah, getting that international recognition, he looks nailed on now, doesn't he, for for a test place? But what I love, and and sometimes you get this with with Lions. I know he's a quality player and he's been doing it on the on the international scene, but the Lions, you often get these players that peak in their career just at the right time, and everything seems to be flowing for him. It's not just his try scoring, but you look at how confident he was to pick up that one one handed take for his first try early on yesterday. His all-round game, his defence is top-notch. He just feels bulletproof at the moment. I thought the setup for uh, Lewis Rees-Zamet's try, where he took on two defenders, used his footwork, used his power, and then offloaded perfectly to Zamet at full flight. Rees-Zamet at full flight. You know, that's a guy who's on the top of his game. So, in one of the most difficult areas to call. I don't think you can possibly leave him out now. So he he's done a great job. I, I was going to have uh, Navidi as well. I think I think he's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, but the other person uh, that I thought stepped stepped up really well was Adam Beard. Actually, um, guy that I wouldn't necessarily have had in in my thoughts to to replace Alan Wynne Jones, but he showed what he can do and why Warren Gatland brought him in. Really physical competitor, and I, the the guy I'll probably go for, although he didn't have his most standout game in in terms of impacts was Tom Curry because he's under huge pressure after Hamish Watson's stolen the show over the last couple of weeks. And his work rate was off the charts. I watched him a couple of times. There was one instance, 63 minutes into the game, everyone's flagging a bit. And he's on the left-hand touchline, flies out to hit the number 10. The ball's passed away from him. And he literally followed the ball all the way across the pitch, waiting for an opportunity to to uh, jackal the ball. Ended up on the far touchline, and he's run quicker than I think I've ever run on the pitch in my life, for for, for about seventy meters at that time. And he's just constantly in and around. And what I like about him is his decision making as to when and and when not to compete at the breakdown. He's a constant threat and. How Warren Gatland decides on his back row, I don't know. It's it's gonna, you know, that's that is an impossible task for anyone because he's got so many good candidates there. Well, I couldn't I couldn't uh, agree with you more, really, um, which is unusual, but I th- uh, but I have to because I think that back row is is gonna. I mean, as you say, how, how do you how do you pick, you know, and credit to the back row that went out and played because you know what you want to try and do is just continually push that level up and up and up. I remember. My own experience is Richard Hill going against Neil Back. Richard Hill would play a brilliant game like Hamish Watson's done and then Neil Back's got to go and raise the bar and that's what Tom Curry did. And and by the time you get to the test selection, all of a sudden the coaches have just got a real problem and if they can get that in every single position, then I think we're in for, for a real treat. I would say across both games, no one, probably down to the 
limited opposition that they've played against. No one's played themselves out of contention. Um, I don't think anyone's had a bad game, really. Some have had quieter games than others. You guys have mentioned those that stand out. I just thought, you know, JJ mentioned it earlier on in the pod, but I think Bundiaki, um, again, was a bit of a, um, a wild card selection for some coming into this t test series. But equally, the way that the Springboks play is not going to change massively. And I think we'd... You know, as long as he can stay on the field, <laughs> which, uh, you know, clearly he did. Uh, I think he's given um, the Lions selectors another option, which is exactly what, what Warren Gatlin wants. Someone who's very physical in that in that centre pairing. So interested to see how, how he goes. The only other thing was, was Owen Farrell's performance at 10, having not obviously been expecting to play there. And, you know, Warren looks like he's picking him as a 12 and, and that's where he, he's looking at him. He got an opportunity to see him at 10 and I thought he had a, a really good performance in the 10 shirt. So it's another headache. Yeah, it is. And, and Owen Farrell is one of those players that, you know, he's, he's come in for a lot of criticism over the last 12 months for some reason, you know, obviously captaincy, he's been playing in the championship. It's been tricky with Saracens and all the other off the field stuff going on. But when you take all of that away, and you just say, you put him out on a tour, you know, he's a warrior, he wants to win. He's, you know, he's been part of winning teams all his life, you know. So I'm fascinated by his tour, as you say. You know, he's been playing at 12, he's had a couple of really good games. He's goal kicking, and let's not forget that this could be a, a Test Series 1 on kicking alone. Neil Jenkins single-handedly won us the Test Series in 97 with his outstanding goal kicking. And I don't think there's anyone at the moment more reliable than Farrell. I mean, Dan Bigger has, has, has said that that jersey's mine, but... As you say, why not be interchangeable? As we saw with Sexton and Farrell on the on the tour last time, you know, Farrell can step in at first receiver and play ten. He's obviously got that experience of playing twelve. So I think you're absolutely right. There's going to be uh, all sorts of selections. We just hope, fingers crossed, that they get uh, another game, another couple of games in, so that everyone has uh, an equal opportunity to uh, to put their name forward for selection. So there are our outstanding players. We'll be keeping an eye on their progress going forward well that's it for this episode Ben and Will thanks again for joining me and it was great to hear from Jonathan Joseph earlier in the show if you're enjoying this podcast don't forget to give us a like and share it with your friends thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast brought to you in partnership with Fuller's London Pride the official beer of the British and Irish Lions Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.